Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the bestofprods.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm your host, the Dead Man. Joe, today we have Bertie. Good afternoon. And Cora. Hello. Yeah, we got stuff to talk about, I guess. Yeah. That was very enthusiastic. Cora, why don't you go first? Well, I mean, it's the winter season. Uh, so yeah, most of the stuff that I've actually delved into is stuff that I touched upon last time. But one show that I definitely need to talk about is uh, Yujo Senkai, which I talked about last time. And it's essentially, hey, World War II magical world thing with an evil child. Yeah, I remember talking about that. And I vaguely, I think that last time you read the synopsis and there was a major part of the synopsis that I mentioned was not brought up in yeah. the first episode. And I had actually forgotten that until I started watching the second episode because I heard <laughs> it was getting received better. Yeah, no, second episode opens up in Japan. Like actual real world Japan. Where a... Japanese businessman who's pretty much in charge of firing people is getting pushed in front of a train. And in the split second before his death, he stops to have a conversation with God in which he points out that believing in God is ridiculous. And in order to teach him a lesson about faith, that the God reincarnates him into a magical world filled with despair and suffering where he is a little girl and it the second episode largely follows him growing up from infancy into to around the point that he's 9 or ten, well she's 9 or 10 Tanya and kind of ends up where the around where the first episode ended or well started. That was an interesting way to bury the lead because once this show becomes about a human being t- trying to reject the existence of God in spite of like it, it became far more interesting once they added this layer to it. <laughs> because the first episode I mentioned before is kind of just a manipulative bastard, albeit in this case a like 10 or 11 year old girl, just twisting things to their will in a war zone. It didn't have any characters for me to really latch on to because we don't learn anything about Tanya in the first episode outside of, okay, she's calculating and she can pull off that Higurashi grin pretty well. Fine. But... Yeah, beyond that, there was no real character to latch on to. But when it becomes a weird cat and mouse game with a deity, yeah, that, that the show has a point now. <laughs> and I'm actually interested. But I, I was telling Dead Man before, this is almost like Legend of the Legendary Heroes levels of burying the lead with the first episode. Like, I don't get why anime some, I've seen anime do this before, where they'll give us an in res episode at the beginning, 
that doesn't really explain the premise, just short sort of shows us some of our main characters doing things, but gives us no reason to care or understand or, or any way to understand what is going on. Oh, I think a series I've seen still holds the record for the worst example of that, where uh, Dead Man, do you remember when I talked about Divergence Eve? Yes, I do. And how the first episode you see is technically episode 10. Like, not like they they show events and then go back, but like literally episode 10 is put first, and then they go back through and get to that point, then skip over the events of episode 10 and proceed. Yeah, look That's at... still one of, the, one of yeah. the worst examples I've ever seen of that. Yeah, looking at the actual episode list and stuff, like, episode one takes place in December. Episode two takes place in October. Mm. But, yeah, it's... I, I, but I don't understand that practice. It's like if... The best way I would describe it is if... Imagine if Gakko Garashi, you know, school life, decided not to reveal the twist at the end of the first episode. Or, no, what what it sounds more like is... Um, what if Gakko Garashi started off with the universe as it's explained, and then jumps back into the regular universe of having no, not explained No, because it. everything that's interesting about the show is not revealed in the first episode. We have the most mundane element that is not actually that interesting on its own. It's only when it's contextualized that it becomes interesting. So Yeah, yeah <laughs> but if you then if you start off with explaining it all and then jump back to before it's explained, you're like, okay, we we've already seen all of this, we know what's coming. So it feels like you it, I don't understand what a, you're saying. Because I'm it, saying it, Well, like uh, like well, here, well, here's the thing. So with uh So Gakagrachi, that's uh school live, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. So that doesn't really work with this because with school live it is the end of that first episode is kind of the big reveal. So it wouldn't make exactly. a lot. Exactly. Yeah, but but with this, it is like, hey, we got this full episode that in context makes some sense. And then it adds context with the second episode. Making it the this first, whole other well, thing. The first episode of Gakko Garashi without the twist still makes some sense. It's your average high school drama. Well, not drama. Comedy. Four co- uh, coma style. Ugh. Cutesy. Comedic cute girls doing cute things series. But it only becomes interesting when they would contextualize it. And I'm saying this has a similar setup of, okay, it's this bland kind of magical war zone thing that doesn't really have us anything for us to latch onto. And then all of a sudden everything is contextualized with the second episode and actually makes it interesting. So that's what I mean. They bury the lead by failing to provide the interesting context. So it'd be like if School Live held off the twist till episode two? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, if just, you just like watch... episode, Just like episode one is like all the exact same thing, just like, ah, everything's great, but then it doesn't have the break at the end. Exactly. And then you go no into episode... at the end. And then you go into episode and two, then, which is showing her just going through the fucking dilapidated school building with all the dead bodies around her. Yep. Okay, yeah, that, make, that, that would make more sense than, hey, so Gakurashi starts episode ten, and then we go back to episode one. No, I'm not talking about taking it out of order. I was never talking about that. Okay. 
I was talking about providing context. But, yeah. So my recommendation is, if you do check out Yojo Senkai, which I think is actually worth checking out, I, I don't think that was my... I don't think I said that last time. Because I, I don't think I thought that last time. Yeah, last time the kind my of takeaway was... The, last, last time the takeaway was, this series should be more interesting than it actually is. Yeah. Well, it turns out it's more interesting than it initially appears to be. <laughs> so I recommend at the very least sticking with it through episode two, because that's where it says, hey, we have a cool idea here. Uh, I also followed up with a few more episodes of Minami Kan uh, Kamakura Girls Cycling Club, which... I can't help but compare it to last season's Long Riders, which I actually did have to ask, like, what was the title of that bicycling anime from last season? And I was about to go look it up, and Birdie remembered it. Which is weird, because I never watched it. Yeah, but... It, it was not memorable. I, I found it irritating, because it took things a bit too slow. I'm going to say that Minami Kamakura is the better of the two shows. I'm not certain that I would go so far as to call it particularly good. But if you're interested in a female-focused sports anime, this one at least shows a little bit more promise, I think. It moves at a slightly faster pace. It's still a peaceful show. It's not rushing to get anywhere. So... I'm in episode three, and they've just decided, okay, we are establishing a club, but it's, it has a lot of the same qualities that irritated me about Long Riders, but it is a little more aware of them and knows not to lean too heavily on them. Like, the main character is annoying. She is pretty much the exact same character from Long Riders, except not focused on quite as much. She's way too energized about certain things. She's, while still being oblivious, like this is the kind of character that at one point sees a photo from like 1974 and has the reaction, oh, I didn't know bicycles have been around that long. And the one thing I'll give the show is, yeah, all of the other characters treat her as being a fucking moron for that line as well. So, there's that. <sighs> but, I, I, yeah, I don't know that I could really recommend this heavily. I'm probably going to stick with it just because there aren't many sports anime that are focused around a predominantly female cast. I say that, I actually don't think I've seen a single... Oh no, there might be a single male cast member. I'm not certain. There's also that show about the butts. Only, the only one that comes to mind is Bamboo. I'm not going to count that one, <laughs> dead man. The only one that comes to mind is Bamboo Blade. Yeah, and I never actually got around to watching Bamboo uh, Bamboo Blade. I did hear decent things about it. I liked it. Yeah, I, I've heard good things. But because they're such a rarity, I do want to support them. But Long Riders was just kind of boring and again it focused more on its main character she felt more central to everything that was going on and that actually made it worse because i didn't like the main character but 
this one doesn't quite have all of the annoying qualities. She may not be familiar with cycling that much, but she's not as incompetent. Like, by the second episode, the main character of Long Riders was already, like, dealing with complete muscle exhaustion because she never biked at all. And fortunately, this show doesn't go that route. But yeah, it's it has some promise, but I particularly if you're not a big fan of sports anime, if you have any interest in it, maybe wait till the end of the season and see what the general reception was. I'll stick with it again cuz we don't have that many shows like this, so I'll I'd like I'd like to see more shows that are sports oriented with a female cast. Cause I do think that there's potential there. And I, I, I don't mean to undersell sports anime. There are plenty of sports anime that do have prominent female members, but even those are to some extent a minority. I feel, you know, you got yeah. Chihaya Furu, uh, baby steps, things like that. But, uh, I don't know that I could list too many more. Yeah. In a in a in Yomoji Pedal, another biking series. All about guys, pretty much the only prominent female character is basically a cheerleader. Well, yeah, their manager. Manager I mean, tends to be does the same thing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. They 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 flesh them out a bit more by giving them like backstory and stuff, but yeah, they are largely there just to be like, hey, go do good, guys. And in the case of, I'll, I'll give you a mushy pedal. This they use that character to explain a lot of uh, concepts to cycling technique and things like that. So yeah, it's, they they make use of her at the very least. It's not that she's just there to be. Oh, she's our support character. But yeah, but technically she kind of is because she's just kind of always supporting main guy who doesn't know Dick. Yeah. I mean, she's not the only one. There are male characters that are also relegated to support. Oh, yeah. Everybody fucking supports the fucking second years. But she explains things and has an awareness of the mechanics and things like that that the other support characters do not have. So. But, yeah. Uh... Also watched the second and third episodes of ACCA uh, 13-ka Kansutsuka. Kansatsuka. I really like this show. It's... Again, I don't mean to overpraise it, and I know Birdie does not like it. <laughs> really? It's not, it's I, couldn't, even, I couldn't tell with that dismissive... <sighs> it's not even that I don't like it, it's just... It's riding on potential, and potential doesn't do anything for me anymore. And I had this discussion with Cora last weekend, where he was telling me all these great things that could lead to great things. I was like, yeah, that's true, that could lead to something great, but it hasn't yet. And I've been burned so many times by shows that had a lot of potential and so completely botched it in the ending that I don't get caught up in potential anymore. 
what Bertie's saying is that he does not believe in optimism on any level. <laughs> Given the podcast he's on, that is entirely believe that is entirely acceptable. Optimism cannot yeah, exist but- in this world. Look, I do. I maintain a healthy degree of cynicism when it comes to movies. As a very brief aside, just for an example, I went in and I went into Batman v Superman saying, "Okay, the ad campaign has has shown some promising things." That does not mean that I was shocked or taken aback by how bad it was. I actually enjoyed myself more because, as optimistic as I may have been going in, I knew it would probably be garbage, and I laughed at it. Compared that to Bertie's approach, where he went in cynical and came out looking like someone had beaten a puppy to death right in front of him. (laughs) I I, I question that he's actually helping himself that much with this cynicism. Fair. But I really enjoy the show. I enjoyed the first episode. I like the characters and I like the concept they're building up that this seemingly peaceful society might be on the cusp of a coup d'etat. Oh my God. Various. Well, the thing is as a viewer, I have no idea who might potentially be aiming for this coup d'etat. I, it might be our main character. I don't know. Some people think it's our main character. He, I don't think it is him. I I don't think that he's organizing it, but I could be wrong. I wouldn't be massively shocked if it turned out he was helping coordinate efforts against the country, but I get the feeling that he wouldn't. Other characters are theorizing that attention may have been shifted towards him in order to distract from the real culprits, and I'm really enjoying these machinations that are going on. I actually do really like our main character. I He has a nice deadpan quality to him that works for me. Though it, he does sometimes break and show a bit more emotion than he seemingly intends to. And I, I like that. I'm... I'm really enjoying the show. I think that it's probably the strongest of this season, though, again, I don't mean to oversell it. This is not a great season. Yeah, so, that, that I've... Yeah, I'd pick that up. Just This, this season is real... Planned. Yeah. Like, even... Uh, and it... I don't know why he keeps saying ACCA. I guess that's just because of the way it's written. Because I looked up the Japanese title and they just pronounce it Aka. Yeah, they pronounce it Aka, but it is an organization and those are the initials. So I just say it the way I would, well, I guess NASA and things like that. NASA, POTUS, NORAD. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah no, actually, that doesn't always work. See ya. <laughs> I, I do like the CIA's hit song, Chandelier. Oh, yeah, that's great. It's really interesting use of whatever the CIA does. I don't know much about CIA. I'm going to bail on this joke. <laughs> the logo of the half-white, half-black-headed woman is interesting. 
maybe to show the black and white nature of espionage. I don't know exactly what you're referencing there. So the fact that Sia wears a black and white wig. I don't. I only remember the blonde one. Yeah, Sia for the last few years has only been wearing a black and white wig that's split right down the middle. So one half is black and oh, one okay. half is white. I forgot. Yeah, but um, okay. If I had to describe this series, because I have watched the first three episodes, um, it's it, in terms of premise, it feels like an inverted, uh, inverted version of something like North by Northwest. Because in the case of North by Northwest, there's this huge conspiracy going on around the main character, but it's told from his perspective. So we're just as lost as he is, and we're slowly discovering information as he is. In this case, we almost get nothing of the main character's perspective, and instead get the perspectives of everyone else around him. Which could be interesting, but it's it's running that potential gamut of you're holding your cards close in the hopes that when you reveal them, it will be interesting. And so maybe once they reveal them, I will say that this is a much better series than I'm saying right now. I just, this kind of character I have trouble getting into. And I said this when I, after, I think the last time I talked about it, not, not talked about it on the podcast. I've talked with core about this several times. Uh, One time. And yes, but, that is when you brought it up though. But I don't know why he cares or what he cares about. Like his sister, maybe, but I don't really get her importance to the story either. Other than apparently every guy other than her brother wants to fuck her. Which is a weird running gag that everyone. Uh, That one guy. And the prince. Oh, right. The prince noticed her. The. Okay. One guy looked at her and thought, oh, she's attractive. And one character seems to be moderately obsessed with her. There are a lot of characters in this show, so I was very confused when you said every guy wants to fuck her. Yeah, but there's also characters that seem to have character, but for no apparent reason. Like the three rainbow-colored-haired secretaries in the Akka office that the main character works in. Like, they seem to keep getting scenes just for comedic relief, and I'm not entirely sure why, because they haven't seemed to have any real importance to the overall story yet. They're the mundane bureaucracy. They are the characters that sit around in the office and are overjoyed when someone brings in food. I, I, Uh, I, I, I get that. Yeah, but... I don't know. I, I can't really feel any tension yet because if the main character is not invested in anything, why should I care? Again, I, I actually really like this character, and he clearly is invested. A lot of characters question why he's invested, and in part, you could argue that's part of the mystery of the show is why he cares so much about this country. People have pointed out that really he has no reason to be working for this organization, and some have questioned why he doesn't quit, but he is clearly invested and has a somewhat almost detached uh, and aloof way of observing everything that's going on. So well, yeah, I am they made, quite, they made, they made that perfectly clear in that stupid flashback between him and Crow where they said, Hey, you're that one guy who sits in the uh, w- window of the school, like a loner. And I'm that guy who walks around school with the hoodie on and earphones. So 
we're both loners who don't like society, so let's get away from these sheep and be friends. I don't know. I just, I hate this. I don't particularly like this kind of characterization. If they expand the character, again, this is what I meant about potential. Like, nothing that I have currently seen makes me really like this character, except for occasional scenes where the stupid mask slips and he shows some emotion. Those scenes I actually okay. really liked that scene, not because of simply what Birdie stated, because, yeah, the main character is talking with his friend whose alias within the organization is Crow. And he says, well, we first met like 15 years ago, and Crow starts saying, yeah, no, you were kind of detached in sort of the same way that I was. I don't know. I guess that kind of just made me gravitate towards you. And then... Shortly thereafter, he's like, I, I don't know, I was just watching you, and you seem to have some of the same qualities. I guess we sort of mirrored each other in a way. Shortly thereafter, Crow is talking on a phone, uh, the phone to his superior, and he says, don't worry, he hasn't noticed that I'm watching him. He hasn't noticed for 30 years now. And I really like that quality, because it distorts everything that he just said. It forces you to reanalyze it. I like how that was executed. Yeah, but again, but the, the, this is this keeps coming back to my main point of there are interesting elements to this story, but if it doesn't go anywhere, then it just feels like fluff. So again, I I I almost want to just stop talking about this and not talk about it again until it's over because at this point it's just going to be a repeat of this, where Cora's like, it has so much potential to be really good. It's like, yeah, it could be good. I don't know. So well, actually, it's- no, it's not that it has so much potential. I think it's really good, and I'm really enjoying it. The conversation really breaks down to, yeah, no, I really enjoy this. I really care about the characters. And your response is, I don't really care about this. I don't really care about the characters. So that's kind of where it falls. <laughs> but yeah, I... Very much looking forward to watching more of it. It's, I also it's, watched the... What? I just wanted to say, it's better than I would... It does look good. It's got style. Uh, the ending credits annoy me because I, it seems like one of those pretentious French art house things where it has just like... Poorly... Ill, it, poorly looks like, it looks like the opening of Gankutsuo. No, it doesn't. I'd have to revisit the ending credits then. <laughs> I thought it had like that brown paper quality to it. That is not what I felt. Maybe in terms of that, but like in terms of style and overall execution, it's not the same thing. And I just. I, I don't tend to watch ending credits, so I, I can't. I will say the opening credits for the show are fucking gorgeous. No, they are. I'll agree with that. I just... I don't know. It's... Yeah. Like, I... Easily best opening of the year, I think. At least... I haven't watched every opening. I'm And, of course, I'm only talking about this season. I'm not saying, oh, it'll beat everything in the months to follow. But of this season, it's the standout opening for me. I very much like the way they use transitions and introduce each of the characters using certain colors. Okay. 
I mean, I I think again, it's got a lot of good. The stuff that it's doing right now doesn't do much for me. So maybe once it plays its cards, I'll decide whether or not what it's using right now has worked for me or not. For now, I just can't tell. Okay. But yeah, I also watched the first episode of Konosuba 2, because I remembered that was a thing. I seriously need to get caught up on that. It's funny. I laughed a couple times. It's... The way I described it to Dead Man right before we started recording was, I view Konosuba as one of those shows where, if it wasn't for the second season, I would have watched the first season, thought, okay, that was funny, and then probably gone months without thinking about it again. Like, what was that? There was an anime a few years back, uh that played with a bunch of characters from uh like fairy tales and stuff it was trying to remember if the main character the main characters were i think like the big i mean the wolf maybe and red riding hood and the hunter or something oh crap what was that called uh okami and her seven friends yeah, something like that. There's like a yeah. school, like a school environment, but filled with characters from various fairy tales. Yeah, like that's I remember that being a perfectly enjoyable show. But as I think I just illustrated, I can barely remember the show itself. Yeah, it was fun. It was funny, but it did not leave much of a lasting impact with me. That being said, Konosuba is very funny, and in some ways, it's weird. I am kind of criticizing it for not having a lasting impact, but that might actually be to its advantage on some level, because that will increase its rewatch value, and comedy does suffer from familiarity. So I I don't know if I really... I don't know to what extent I feel that criticism actually hurts the series. It might actually lend it more staying power in that you can go back and watch it and you'll have forgotten some of the jokes and can laugh at them anew. It's hard for me to say at this point. But yeah, the first episode is kind of a recap episode, but it's done in a way that is funny and pays homage to video games, Star Wars, and oddly enough, I'm pretty certain I I think it plays tribute to Ace Attorney quite a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I need to finish season one, then. Yeah, it's, uh... It's weird. But it's Konosuba, so that's kind of comes that kind of comes with the territory. As far as manga is concerned, I'm of course reading My Hero Academia. It's interesting character design for the top student. Very yeah. much so. Yeah, those eyes. Particularly <laughs> that particularly that first introduction of just his face. Yeah, just, just how's it going? <laughs> Okay, bye. I, it's an anime appearance, uh, appearance of the big boy. 
you know, like the mascot thing from that shows up in the Austin Powers movie. Yep. Oh yeah. 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 That which yeah, I, that's, from what that's, I know is an actual right. thing, but I've never seen it elsewhere, so that's where I'm referencing it from. Yeah, he, <laughs> I look at him and I'm like, yeah, no that that's what I think of. <laughs> but it's going some interesting routes, apparently this isn't much of a spoiler. Apparently All Might had a sidekick at some point. Yep. Who looks Which like is... a Japanese businessman. Yep. <laughs> so get ready for yeah. hijinks. I'll admit I find that weird in that it seems like that's a detail that would have come up prior. Yeah. It's weird that this is the first time we've heard about this. Yeah, like in a world where superheroes are everything, we would have heard about a we would have heard about a sidekick even if it is a former sidekick. Yeah, and particularly Midoriya, considering he's the superhero fanboy, I would have assumed he would have known about this. Oh yeah, I assume he has like fucking nine notebooks full of shit about that sidekick. The only logic is that A, Midoriya already knows about this character and he just hasn't been brought up, or B, this character was like All Might's Oracle and did not have a public presence. But if it's the former... This doesn't really make sense. It it seems strange that he wouldn't have been brought up in passing prior to this. Yeah, hopefully so, it's yeah, hopefully it's not the uh, latter either, because then he'll, he'll be turned into a teenage hipster who wants to find boys. Okay, I'm not saying that the Japanese businessman is literally Barbara Gordon. <laughs> yeah, I know. <sighs> Fucking neo Batgirl. Anyway, but gonna start yeah. gonna, gonna launch a tech startup and then go back to college. Anyway, I'm hoping they go some interesting routes with this. I do like the idea of Midoriya teaming up with some, like working with someone new. I this could go some interesting routes, but it might strain at suspension of disbelief, depending on how they try to present this character. Yeah, they're also so, building up the league of villains. Remember them? Honestly, I am glad that they mentioned them, because, well, I'm not going to say, oh, I forgot about them. It's nice to just be have reminders in there that, yeah, this is still a thing that is going on. Yeah, it's a thing, but that, like, Deadman and I were talking about this last time on a podcast you weren't on. I don't think the writer really cares that much about the supervillain plot line because he just kind of abandons it regularly. And so it's just kind of distracting sometimes when he comes back to it because, oh yeah, I need this to progress the plot because he clearly doesn't give a shit about it. Well, I'll say this. It does seem to me that Given where the plot is, it makes sense for the villains to be regrouping and reorganizing themselves. So I'm okay with the fact that they haven't been playing a significant role themselves. My problem lay with the fact that the school staff didn't seem to be focusing on them too much. Like, it, it did feel like the transition from All Might 
with his big battle against All for One to the back to the school storyline didn't feel like a natural transition. That was where my problem lay. The villains actually just being in the background does feel natural to me, though. So I'm okay with that, and I feel fine with the reminder that, hey, they are built trying to build up towards something, because even if I'm not going to forget that, oh, hey, this series has villains, it's nice to be reminded that they are have something in the works to keep them in the forefront of my mind to some extent. But it's, it's the way they've been doing it. Like, like it's, yeah, a lot of it is just like, Hey, here's fucking four panels at the end of the chapter saying, Oh, Hey, there's a villain here. And then nothing for like eight chapters. And then all of a sudden we have a chapter devoted entirely to the villains that give us nothing really new about the villains, just their own boring backstories. Fair enough. That. Like, I'll, like I'll we got that blood, and that. then, like, hey, we got fucking Midoriya's blood, and then nothing. And then, oh, hey, we got the fucking Plague Doctor, then nothing. Uh, I think about it, I'm certain blood plus Plague Doctor probably equals something. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I, I hadn't quite cl- put those two plot elements together. I'm like, oh, his quirk has got to have something to do with whatever they're aiming for. <laughs> I figured it would just be, like... She turns into Midoriya and then just, I like, murders that like as nine well, people. But then Plague Doctor. So <laughs> We shall see, hopefully. Besides, she can't emulate a quirk. So Don't you emulate a quirk, just fucking give him less... a knife. Actually, yeah, no, what she but actually it would be less effective. What she she could turn could she turn herself into a plague? No. Yeah, she turns into people. She ingests blood and then turns into that person. Okay, but like they use that ability combined with plague. But I, don't, I guess we don't know what plague doctor's ability is yet. So it exactly. Yeah. But okay. given that we describe him as plague doctor, I'm suspecting that him having his hands on Midoriya's blood does not equal a good thing. Probably not. So yeah, that small appearance actually just became more interesting once I was reminded of a previous plot point. Oh. Did you really oh, forgotten? I have an idea. I didn't forget it. Again, it wasn't in the forefront of my mind. So I wasn't trying to combine those factors. What if he kills one for all? Hmm. That seems... They, do need, they need to kill somebody at some point. That That is one problem that I'm having is that... Yeah, no, no yeah, body count at all. <laughs> There have been a lot of points where it would have made sense for someone to die. And I'm, again, it's fine for a series to be bloodless to some extent. But this one wants to convince us of there being high stakes. And despite that, no one has died. Hell, did the hero killer kill anybody? No. Nobody that we know. I think he people in the hospital. He killed some people, we just don't know who they were. Yeah, no name characters. So if, so if somebody was to die, who do you think it would be? Well, One for All has made sense as a character to die for a long time. 
Wait, so, one for all? Midria's power? I mean, All Might. Okay. Sorry, I meant. Yeah, well, you see, when I when I when I meant kill one for all, I didn't mean the character. I meant like he he severs the ability for one for all to be passed on or used. Maybe, but all might has made sense for a long time to be a fatality. He's been dying uh, since we met him. Yeah, exactly. Um, the. His teacher also makes sense. I forget the character. Uh, Eraserhead. Name off the top. No, Grand uh, Torino. Yes. Okay, mentor, not teacher. He, he was. It, it 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 was it was technically all a teacher, Might's but like teacher. he actually does have a homeroom teacher. Yeah, but he was All Might's teacher. So. Ah. Uh, and besides, we know how Grand Torino ends. Of course, he's going to die. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, he's going to tell a bunch of Koreans to get off his lawn. Then fucking. Whatever. Ho- hopefully he dies before he starts talking to chairs. Uh, t- to be fair, he was on the Koreans lawn. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> remember that ending of the movie correctly. <laughs> I didn't watch Gran Torino. I only know the scene where he tells the Korean to get off his lawn. You should watch Gran Torino. Anyway. Uh, but yeah. There are a number of characters that would make sense. Most of them are teachers or mentors. But what about among the students? Of the students, I don't really know who would make much sense. I'd say Ida. I'd actually say no. I'm leaning more towards maybe Todoroki because I feel that his storyline has maybe not come to an end, but has reached a point where you could say, okay, that culminate he's found himself to some extent most of his it feels like he's reached a point that could be considered a stopping point if they decide to kill him but most of the students are either not significant enough for them to feel like a naturalistic death like if he killed the character with the tail okay i like that character but i call him that character with the tail i don't He's n- he's not the kind of character that I would necessarily get broken up over because yeah. he hasn't been established well enough. And yeah, most like- of the other characters don't feel like they've... If they were to die, it wouldn't feel earned or it wouldn't feel like a natural narrative move. It would feel awkward or forced. That's why most of the teachers seem like the more acceptable choices in a sense okay like i'm really trying to think of all the prominent students who i think would make sense to kill uh maybe the girl with the alchemy powers possibly she's prominent enough and has kind of become more assertive. So she's handled her primary storyline and she is one of the more capable members of the class. So it would feel like a proper ramping up of the stakes. 
But even then, I don't think that she would be ideal at this point. That I would want them to do a little more character work, uh, character work with her first, both to get her into the forefront and just to wrap up and make it feel like they weren't. Because the problem with killing off a lot of the characters is it just feels like all of a sudden they'd be cutting the narrative short in a way that didn't actually feel natural. And on some level, that's by design. Death cuts the storyline short for that character. But it would feel strange. Like, oh, oh we've uh, set up this character dynamic, we've set up what they're about to do, and then we're done with that character entirely, and they never resolve. We never get the resolution for the arc that they're going for. Yeah, because that's the problem. It's like, so, like, let's think back on some of the most famous deaths in anime. Mace Hughes, big one. Like, Prominent enough character, likable, he's connected enough to the main characters that you feel for him, but his storyline is kind of secondary to other characters. Wasn't his storyline yeah. just figuring out the mystery? Well, yeah, but he, but his, he as was well a, as supporting um, Roy's uh, political uh, machinations. So because like he was he was a important enough character but his that you felt something but his storyline was not something that disrupted the overall narrative completely when he dies. Okay. So, so I don't know and, and we've we've established this problem before shonen writers don't always have the best track record setting up ways for characters to effectively lose. Yeah. Yeah. Like Yeah, going forward, I can only really think of, like, two deaths that might make sense. And that's All Might and Eraserhead. And Eraserhead feels like the... I didn't pick him because... In some ways, he's always been a limited character. The stakes are already somewhat built into his limitations. He does not have an overpowered ability. He's constantly working against limitations. So for him to die, it doesn't feel like a proper ramping up of the stakes the way it would for the character that's in some ways been the image of optimism and looking forward regardless of physical condition to die you know with a razor head he's cynical he's always to some extent looking at, uh, at the worst possibly occurring for him to die doesn't seem to click as well well they, they've shown like even with like what you said of his limitations or whatever he has shown himself to be one of the stronger of the character like like doing fucking all of his shit he has been able to keep that level of fucking relative aloofness about himself, but he still managed to do some really insane things. And I feel like, I feel like killing him would be, it'd be a bit of a fridge move, but it would, I feel like killing him would have a, have some kind of motivation for the entirety of class a mm. and kind of help push some of them forward. But yeah, doing that, it does feel like a fridge move. But yeah. Comics we will see where they go. go. Yeah. I also got caught up on Baby Steps because I was behind by a few chapters. 
I like where the comic's going, but uh, I, God, they get real. <laughs> Monthly comics are difficult for me to keep up with. Yeah. Yeah, you either mainline them or you forget they're a thing, and then you're like, crap, I'm behind. <laughs> yeah. That's yep. exactly it. Uh, they've just started another tournament, which isn't going to be a... I'm trying to think about how to put it. It's a prominent thing within the comic, but it's not as large-scale as the previous one they had, which went on for quite a while. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. It's nice to see... They do tournaments well, usually. They don't tend to overstay their welcome too much. Though I will say the last one, I was getting tired of it. But again, I feel that has to do at least in part with it being a monthly comic. If I had been mainlining the chapters, it probably wouldn't have irritated me nearly as much because I would have been able to speed through it more smoothly and not constantly have to be like, okay, what happened last chapter? Let me go back and reread that before I read the new one because can't really remember Okay, I've technically read this chapter like three times now. Because that did happen. <laughs> so I, I guess my biggest complaint against Baby Steps at this point is it's a monthly comic. <laughs> so there's that. That's a decent complaint to have. Yeah, but I'm enjoying it. I like the character work that they tend to do. Uh... The main character is currently studying... I think I might have mentioned this last time I talked about it because he's been doing this for a couple chapters now. He's currently in Florida at a... essentially practicing and learning at a tennis facility there and while working there part-time. And actually, I know I brought this up because I talked about how nice it is for a Manga not to treat America like a country that is 100% assholes that are racist. Oh, yeah, it is. That Florida facility is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Right. You've read some of it, haven't you? Yes, I have. I read, I think, until, like, right before one of the really big tournaments. Yeah. Like, the the one that was leading up to it, like, he had, he was still going on... And worrying about the deal he made with his parents. Yeah. Okay, that was the tournament that I felt ran a bit long simply because I was waiting on each new chapter. Uh, yeah, because that's what a that's what a uh, monthly series needs: long tournament arcs. Oh hell yeah! Stretch that shit out, dog. Don't get me wrong. Each time I get a new chapter, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm really enjoying the tournament, but. <laughs> Yeah, those tournaments works. kill. Tournaments kill pacing dead. <laughs> yeah, but again, not what every monthly series needs is a Roberta's Blood Trail length storyline. Like I, I'm torn because I don't know if this series would work well in a weekly format because there is a lot of analysis, breaking down characters, techniques, and movements. And I could easily see an entire, like, 17-page chapter focused on, well, his knee comes a bit forward, so maybe if I try 
to spin the ball a slightly different fashion. Okay, see you next time. And I don't know that that would actually work much better. <laughs> so, I, I, I don't know if there's a way to actually fix that problem. But, yeah, he's take, uh, going to be taking part in a tournament in America, and that's... I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's a fun idea. He's trying to expand upon his abilities by responding, learning to essentially combat people that are taller than him and try and figure out how to use his techniques to gain an advantage over them. And that's interesting to see because, of course, he's going up against an American at the moment who's a former baseball player. So... I like the way the show... Uh, I say show. I haven't watched the anime in a long time. I, I like how the manga handles a lot of these ideas, and I do like the analytical take that it has. But, yeah. Pacing. Yeah. Don't know how I'd fix it. So, I... I have difficulties complaining about it, really. I think that it's something that might extend to a lot of different uh, monthly series. But it does frustrate me. And to be fair, it's also in part because it's not a very popular series. So... The updates I mean, are also inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it for what I've been reading and watching. Okay, then. Uh... I guess, using what you said as a bit of a platform, uh, so I've also been watching Konosuba. And at the same time, I started reading a manga that is kind of similar and kind of different at the same time. It's like taking the same kind of ideas and going a different direction with them. So same time I started watching Konosuba, I started reading The Rising of the Shield Hero. Oh, that series. Okay. Yes. So both of them are about main character who dies and gets transported to a fantasy world where he's supposed to be a destined hero or whatever. And at both times, he gets shit starting equipment. So with Konosuba, he gets Aqua. Oh, all the choices he could later regret. (laughs) Yeah, just... Met that fucker with the cursed sword, and he's like, fuck, why didn't I choose something better? He's like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll steal it. <laughs> yeah. Can't use it, but I'll sell it. Yeah. Fuck it. Got yourself a nice fucking stack and a grip right there. And then in Shield Hero, uh, it's a bit different because with that, it is actually a full-on prophecy. Where in this world... When people from another world die, they have the chance to get brought to this world and become one of the four great heroes. There is the spear hero, the bow hero, the sword hero, and the shield hero. And the first three are assholes. (laughs) Super assholes. (laughs) Actually, kind of thinking about it, they're a bit like... So imagine if in ReZero, they never got into the political stuff, and it was just Subaru, he was able to go about his day doing video game logic. Mm. Yeah, but, well, that, it, but it, the difference here is that in that in this case, the main ca- the, the character that we follow, the shield hero, is constantly asking, hey, uh, how does all this shit work? Do we 
like, is there some mythology to this we should understand? Everyone else is like, yeah, just fuck it. This is a video game. Let's fuck around. And yeah, and then and then the, then the other heroes end up fucking everything else up for the rest of the people. Yeah, L- and they blame- like the boat. Yeah, it all gets blamed on the shield hero. Like, everybody in this world hates the shield hero. There is a religion around, like, based around cutting out the shield hero from all mythology. And having looked at a recent chapter of that, I kind of get why, but... Yeah, so... <laughs> it's kind of hard to talk about two series at once, so I'm just going to deal with Konosuba and then move on to shield hero. It's Konosuba. It is fun. Yep. It's a real light series. Uh, they... Basic stupid comedy. They very obviously did not put much effort or money into the animation because it is rough in spots, especially yeah, faces. Well, I mean, as as Cor and I said last time, no one thought this was going to be good. <laughs> they thought like yeah. it's a yeah, ten it. episode season. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know those still happened. I didn't know those ever happened, but uh, like the shortest I'd ever seen for a. Not an OVA, but a full-length television series was eleven. Uh, doesn't was FLCL uh, OVA? Thought those aired. Did those air? I, I guess that must have aired on TV. I thought I don't know. I guess, huh? But, eh, but I'm I'm relatively confident to say that there were probably a number of relatively garbage, low-budget animations from the early 2000s that probably numbered 11 or 10 episodes. Yeah. But, yeah, they did not have confidence in their title here. Nope, and then they really stated it, it was just, hey, this is fun, kind of disposable, but like, like some of the jokes, they end up running kind of thin. Oh, yeah, no, they run. Yeah, like Aqua, (laughs) just the entirety of Aqua. Actually, what's funny is the week we're talking about this, someone was talking about this week's Konosuba episode, and the the quote is, oh, my God, Aqua was useful. I don't like (laughs) it, but it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's always shocking when Aqua is useful. Yeah, like uh, having darkness and her whole masochism thing, that. Oh, God, runs its one. course. They run, they run that into the ground. Yeah, uh, we talked about that. I think last time, because I, or maybe the time before, because I was about midway through the season, and I was reaching the point. I'm like, okay, they need to lay off this joke now. And fortunately, uh, fortunately, they do. It certainly comes back. It's a thing that shows up from time to time. In the episode that I just watched, the main character's like, oh, wow, I Cora? haven't felt like this in a... What? Uh, Hello? Did anybody actually say anything? Yeah, I, I, I'm I don't still here. Okay. I don't think anyone I, said anything. I, think it was just I could have sworn there. someone said Cora. I think that was just noise in the yeah, I Yeah, I did, because because on my end, you cut out. Oh, that was the thing I was trying to confirm. I was like, can anybody hear me? (laughs) Okay. But yeah, I was getting very tired of... Yeah, that will. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, but... They were leaning heavily on the darkness jokes, and in the episode I just watched, they 
straight up acknowledge, yeah, no, we haven't made that joke in a while. Uh, and one of my favorite moments came from when the main character was a sort of apologizing to darkness for putting her in a situation saying, you know, it could become, you might be asked to do something strange. This guy might ask you to do something strange. And upon seeing her reaction, his response is, I fully take back all consideration that I may have previously had. (laughs) (laughs) So they do keep the, they, they, after introducing each character, they learn to tone down on the jokes and keep the jokes fresh. Because, yeah, they'll still lean on Aqua as a moron jokes. They also did that in the episode I watched. She tries to break the main character out of prison by first giving him a lockpick. At which point he walks over to the door of his cell, looks at it, and says to himself, This is a combination lock. <laughs> then she comes back the next night, you know, to the window and says, Why didn't you break out? I was waiting out there all night. Snow started piling up on my head. At which point he says, tells her it was a combination lock. And then she gives him a hacksaw and uh, says, here, you and I can cut through the bars. He's like, I can't reach the bars from here. At which point she says, oh, I got you a box to stand on. How are you going to get it through the bars? One second, runs around front and tries to convince the guards to let her go hand him a box. God damn it, Aqua. (laughs) Fuck, even the person whose whole character is she can only cast one spell a day. Fucking better at that shit. Well, Aqua has a very low int stat. (laughs) I love the mo- I love the moment in the series where he realizes that she won't be able to increase her intelligence stat. <laughs> because she pretty much started with all her other scores maxed out and thus doesn't have any more points to distribute as she levels. <sighs> it's like I- <laughs> he just feels so sorry for her and she is so oblivious. Yeah. Yeah, like the one the one joke that they managed to uh kind of the one though the one joke that they did with one of the characters that managed to actually do something kind of interesting with and this is a very when I say kind of interesting I mean kind of interesting for this show. Yeah. Is uh Megamin and her explosion magic uh like when uh, they were like all right so we're going to go out into the woods we're going to fucking test See if, you, see if you can get, you know, better at causing explosions and, like, not pass out. And then it's just this montage, this really quick montage, just explosion. Ugh. Like, like not even having her say the full explosion thing. She just starts blowing up a fucking castle. <laughs> and then just as How it progresses, uh, episode eight. Okay, so you're most of the way. Yeah, and so, like, as and just, like, as it goes along, just our main character just starts, like, critiquing her explosions. <laughs> I... It's always bizarre. Like, I'll be honest, some of my favorite moments with Aqua are when she does something right because no one expects it. And that makes a surprisingly good joke. Like, did you, you saw the confrontation with uh, Dulahan, right? Yeah, I saw the confrontation with Dulahan. That was, that, that, that's what I meant by kind of interesting, just with the, 
is like having having this really dumb repeating joke end up being a plot point. And then when he, and then when he shows I up, love- and then he shows up, and guys like, "What the fuck, you guys? Why did you show up?" He's gonna let one of your fucking comrades die without anything. It's like, oh no, she's fine, dude. Because I was, yeah, it even caught me off guard when Aqua's was just like lift curse. No one expected that. <laughs> yeah, everyone keeps forgetting she's a fucking priest. <laughs> yeah, because her most commonly used magical spell involves her spraying water. Yeah, actually, that, that's another thing. Uh, so in the episode where they get the haunted mansion, they did a fucking one piece joke. I don't recall off the top of my head. So, so, so there was so there was a bit uh, when they were when, when she when she was like, "Oh God, there's fucking ghosts in the house!" And then she starts running around screaming, "Turn on dead! Turn on dead! Turn on dead! Party trick! Turn on dead! Turn on dead! Turn on dead!" <laughs> that is with Usopp's fight against one of the fucking fishman pirates. Just Usopp hammer! Usopp hammer! Usopp hammer! Usopp rubber band. Could be coincidence. Could be coincidence, you know, but either, that was either way, the second I fucking saw that. It was like, oh, she does a fucking party trick. This is just fucking straight up one piece. And she did. Yeah. I was like, fucking yeah, Usopp. The show has really good comedic timing. It, it you know, I, I've said before, there are two types of comedies, one of which translates well, and the other which, of course, relies predominantly on Japanese puns and wordplay. And obviously the latter is very difficult to translate, but I do like it when the former can be pulled off effectively. Yeah. Uh, one joke that keeps coming back uh, every once in a while that doesn't make a lot of sense is the main character gets oddly pervy at times. J- yeah. j- j- there's no, there was no real joke that... It's not that it's a joke that doesn't make sense. It just doesn't have any really strong payoff because we already kind of knew he was kind of a worthless pack of crap. Like he's not a terrible person, but he does have some qualities that make him kind of a miserable, kind of miserable to be around. Yeah, like, yeah, but, I mean, yeah whole- but like we we never really got any pretense to the idea that he would be the kind of person who would steal women's panties with that look on his face. Um, like is, is it is it just like is it just like a baked in thing like if you are a shut in you do that to panties Be- because no. it wasn't really a thing before where like like it wasn't really a thing before where he would where he would like try to like get a fucking look at lady under a lady, a lady's skirts or whatever it would just be it just be oh I got the steal ability hey I fucking stole your panties oh this shit smells good and then well, fucking he has opportunity and I. <laughs> I do find it hilarious that that is the way in which his luck stat influences things. A <laughs> <laughs> fucking cabbage. That's so fucking weird. It's, oh yeah, because you're so lucky, you're able to sneak behind them and then fucking just, I'm gonna steal all your shit, guys, and then, alright, just pull your in the box. And I get a bunch of money. That immediately goes toward paying off Aqua's debts. Which she then finds more debts for him. Yep. You guys got three million gold coins. You got three you got three hundred million gold coins. We're gonna need all of that back, because you fuckers destroyed our wall. Yeah, no, they've got a debt counter going at this point. Yeah. Like at the 
episode of the new season ended with a two broke girls style debt counter. <laughs> <laughs> last thing. Wow. Last thing I feel <laughs> of note I need to talk about is a uh, whiz. Yeah. She just fucking shows up. Yes, she does. That, that was a very clear... Well, we know where we want to end this season, but we don't have time to cover this arc, so... Hey, this happened at some point, but we didn't show you. Is it also weird that like this show kind of cut is like edited almost like a four coma? Just, just, you have, no, just, you have, because... You have, like, you, have, like, two min- you have like two minutes, and then the fucking... And then, like, what you would expect for, like, an interstitial for a commercial or whatever, but it's just there. And then right back into it. What have to do with the comedic structure? I mean, comedic series do tend to be less... I'm trying to think of how to... Cleanly framed would be a way to put it. Like, if I, when I think back on a series like uh, Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun, it does also somewhat have that quality maybe not to the same extent but i do have that sense of yeah it which actually monthly girls knows like you can might be based off of a four coma it is but, like i've read the manga. okay it's a, it's a four coma <laughs> okay yeah and I, that occurred to me i'm like i'm comparing the two but i i think that has to do in part with its comedic focus and I think it I think comedy in some ways can lend itself to that type type of approach to some extent. It might be why we're seeing similarities there. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, the show's fun. And it's not entirely like a four coma because I do like it. That also <laughs> extends to Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun. Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun might be the first four-coma-based anime that I actually said, okay, I enjoyed watching that. Just that. It's not like a four-coma because, you know, I like it. <laughs> no, it's like, it's not as bad as most four-comas because I, I actually narrative. like I value I value narrative, and those are usually the first things to go with four-coma. Fair. So moving on to Shield Hero. Uh, it's also known in Japanese title, I believe it's a... As ta- Heroes of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's ABC. A Tara no Yusha no Nariagari? Tate no Yusha no Nariagari. Yeah. Okay, Tate. Yeah, it, every, everywhere that's listed is listed as a Japanese title. But, yeah, so that one. So, main guy, universe student, shut in. He dies and then wakes up in a fantasy world. You might be seeing a pattern. Well, I mean, of course we're seeing a pattern. Did you not hear that story about how uh, manga publishers are putting a limitation on dies and wakes up in a fantasy setting as a trope in storytelling for new entries? I did not. Yeah, no, apparently the the major manga publishing... uh, magazines are all like no we've got too many of these already do something else we we are currently we currently have five of those ongoing in our magazine right now we need something else god damn it <laughs> how about this he dies because of in a sci-fi setting <sighs> oh, son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm coming for you, Oda. But yeah, so Izumi dies and he wakes up next to three other dudes just in a throne room. He has a shield on his arm. It is just like fucking duct tape there. He cannot take it off. He can't really do anything about it. And then everyone's like, hey, so you are the four heroes of the land. Yay. And then immediately everybody starts shitting on him. Because the other three guys, they are all people who play RPGs to some extent. They'll have their own kind of things. Like one of them wants to build a harem. One of them is like fucking, I'm going to I gotta travel land and be a vegan of justice. Another one's like, I'm here. And so all of them look at him. As, and so then when, so that a bunch of adventurers show up and are like, hey, we, these people want to work alongside the heroes. And the king says, like, all right, so everybody choose your hero. Nobody chooses the shield hero, at which point the Lance hero is like, hey, yeah, no, it makes sense. Nobody chose you. Fucking shields are bullshit. Who the fuck would choose a shield as their starting RPG weapon? That is just retarded. Them having apparently never spent any time as Reinhardt. Because shields are dope. So yeah, then a girl goes up and says, hey, I'll fucking party with you. Uh, later that night, she robs him blind and then claims he raped her. So yeah, this series, um, a lot of the characters are about as likable as any of the nobles in Akame Got Kill. Yeah, it's about that level of writing a lot of the time, too, where it's just like they have a, they have recently had a religious character who was sacrificing people to his holy ray of destruction. Yeah. Specifically, specifically, so we can murder all the heroes because the heroes weren't doing good enough. And they really weren't. They really weren't. Those heroes are fucking garbage. Yeah, but I think that's kind of the point. Yeah, like, like of all like, of all the heroes, the shield hero was the only one who's actually out there doing real things. Like with uh, like with the lance hero, the lance hero, he is mainly getting. He's mainly gathering a harem. Uh, the bow hero, he can't use any of his real power. Like, he can, like, fire bows and shit, but he has no real bow skills. And the sword hero, he will show up, deal with the thing, and then immediately leave, nev- not really hanging around to see what happens. Which leads to a, which leads to the corpse of a zombie dragon polluting the water and fucking up an entire town. And then the shield yeah, the, hero, and the shield hero gets a. These would all feel at home as jokes in Konosuba. I will acknowledge that. Yeah, but they're not really played as jokes. They're played all very yeah. straight. Meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, the shield hero is just going around absorbing things into his shield, giving him new shields, and saving everybody. Mm. Along with his slave, a raccoon girl. Um. That that is the that is the reaction a lot of people had in the in the actual universe of it too. So so what happens is the shield hero he goes out and when he start when he buys his starting equipment which eventually gets stolen, uh, he tries to buy a sword. When he grabs the sword, the sword explodes out of his hand and a little pop up thing shows up that says, "This says you cannot use any other weapon other than your hero weapon." So he has no offensive capabilities really. Like like what he, like what he starts out doing is he goes out into a field. And finds basically slimes and starts punching them until they explode. For which he gets one XP. And that's how he was trying to level. 
And it actually kind of turned into this whole other strategy because the slimes would like jump up and bite him, but because of his uh, because of the abilities granted to him by his shield, they did no damage. So he would just walk around with a cloak on that's just full of fucking weird slimes biting into his body, and he just throw them at people. Yeah, so he eventually goes and buys a slave and starts training her how to be, how to use a sword. And then the whole her being a slave thing is kind of forgotten a bit. Like other people bring it up, but she doesn't really consider herself a slave because he's like nice to her and shit. Yeah, I think it's a bird. Which turns into a girl. They also brands as a slave. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's like it's, nothing it's really, special. It's really also, dark. Also, slave seemingly is a tanuki, apparently. Uh, it's a girl with raccoon ears. Okay. That's... But the information describes her as a tanuki. Tanuki. Why did I say tanuki? Anyway, tanuki. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I was like Close actually enough. trying to read this while uh, saying it. And I'm like, I did not say sentence correct. What? Uh, yeah, in the in the series, they call her a raccoon girl. Mm. At least in the translations I read. Translations. Yeah, well, yeah. Ra- well, raccoon girl. I guess is probably the closest they could get to Tanuki because the Jap- the Tanuki is a Japanese raccoon. It, except it's I not saw, in any way a raccoon. Yeah, I, I, I saw it described as Japanese raccoon dog. Yes, it is not a raccoon in any way. <laughs> yeah, art, it works. And it's also uh, not a dog, but, you know. Yeah, it's the closest description. I think it's closer to a fox. I'm not positive about that. I forgot. So yeah, like, writing is fine. Art is good. Uh, they're doing interesting things with the actual use of the shield. Because he has, like, all these different shield abilities. Like, he has this thing, air shield, which lets him just create a shield out of nothing. And so he end- and so he started developing a technique called the Iron Maiden. Where he just surrounds somebody in air shields and then makes spikes form on the inside. Yep. And the people of the country only really recognize him as one of the heroes. And then at the same time, he, like, ate a dragon heart or something, and now he's turning evil. Yeah, he's being consumed by darkness or something. Which, if you're surrounded by these fucking people, how can you not be? Because throughout the series, everybody is trying to shit in this fucker. Everybody in a position of power is trying to fucking murder this kid. Like, like the girl who says, like the girl who says that he that she that he raped her. She's the princess of the kingdom. So when she robs him, gives all of his stuff to the Lance hero, and then tries to fucking say, oh, yeah, he raped me, nobody ever questions it because she is the princess. And so she does everything within her power to fuck this guy over. Sounds like it. Yeah, like they, uh, like at one point, a village that was saved by the shield hero, he, uh, the Lance hero showed up and was like, hey, guess what? This village is mine now, you fucks. Because the princess is like, hey, yeah, fuck you. And then he, and then the shield hero 
challenges him to like a race on their birds. Well, one, he has a bird. The other guy has a dragon. The bird summarily kicks his ass, but the princess and their and her guards are also like using magic and shit to fucking destroy, like try to like destroy the track ahead of the bird and try to fuck him up. But that bird's just too dope. And then a bunch of ninjas show up. It's like, hey, you cheated. And then he gets a fucking village. And it's been that way from the jump. Fucking. When, when he first got a slave, Lance Hero finds out about it and then tries to, and then challenges him to a duel. Which he is very much losing. Like, everybody's like, oh yeah, fucking Lance Hero, that's gonna be great. And then meanwhile, the fucking shield hero is just like, hey, I got these fucking slimes, go eat his ass, and then I'm just gonna block all your attacks and shit. And the princess is just, hey, wind magic. Hits him in the back, and then Lance Hero wins. At which point the slave is freed, beats the shit out of the late, beats the shit out of Lance Hero, and then goes right back to being a slave. Because she likes it, I guess. So yeah, this series is... This, this series, and to a certain extent, Konosuba too. It's like if ReZero was done by a really dumb person. Like, comparatively? Well, yeah, I mean, because it's doing kind of the same thing that ReZero does in having... Like, the all the quote-unquote really good or at least more interesting um, series about a characters being trapped in a... Human people being trapped in a video game RPG-like world... The, the tendency with them is to subvert, to, like, have the tropes but subvert them. Yeah. And ReZero did that better than pretty much anything else, except maybe um, uh, Log Horizon. But ReZero, Log is Horizon. Almo- ReZero is almost a fucking deconstruction of that shit. Though I will argue that Konosuba has one thing going for it that ReZero does as well, which is... But it's in a different way. Konosuba is one of the more cynical comedies I've seen in... Oh, very much a so. Little, yeah. yeah. At no point is it really on the side of its heroes. It's, no, you're supposed to shit on them just like everyone else does. <laughs> Shield Hero is cynical in a different way in that it's more almost nihilistic. Yeah, it's the hate every... It's the... Everyone else is shit except me. Yeah, like like one of the like one of the big plot points is the reason that he is being de- he's being like enveloped by hate or or like the darkness or whatever because of the dragon heart is because he hates everybody. Every time he's about to go fucking full Sith or whatever, you know, it it is always preambled by him saying everybody in this world's a fucking piece of shit. Why the fuck did they have to come here? Fuck everything. Let's burn it all down. So uh, I guess I I mean I had missed a couple of chapters in between. Are there any characters in this outside of the main character's main party who are not complete dicks? Uh the guy who runs the starting item shop? Okay, that means basically everybody. Um <sighs> yeah. uh, well, well no, okay, like Okay, let me like, ask. Are we are we talking Inuyashiki levels of hate your fellow man? Uh more cartoonish. Okay. Because, like, that is more... 
like that 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 is like that is like everybody is fucking terrible but in a more amplified version of reality way where like nobody is this terrible but i can see people being this kind of terrible yeah in a sci-fi way not in a fan and not in a fantasy way I yeah guess. yeah this is yeah this is i want to murder my father and take over the kingdom so i'm going to try to murder my sister and blame it on this fucker by the way, he still raped me. Pleasant. Yeah, meanwhile, all the other heroes are just stupid. Like, the only... like If they were the heroes of their own story, they could be totally workable heroes. It's just because they are in this story and have the shield hero there who is horribly cynical about everything, but, it all, but is also... Somehow the most worldly. Yeah. Like, like, like he mentioned that in the, he mentioned that in the series, but they all see this as a game. Yeah. Which makes sense. This, this world is very much a game. Like they have fucking like pop-up displays. They have inventory lists. They have fucking levels. There are systems for leveling. Like, like once you, reach, once you reach a certain level, you get a star next to your name. So you have to go to a hourglass and then pay a certain amount of money in order to class up and, and then like, like get specialization in a different kind of skill set or whatever. There's like a skill tree for all their weapons too. And so everybody else is treating this like a game, like the fucking bow hero. He wants to be the stalwart hero of the land, fucking fighting for the end of the class or whatever. One guy's like a monster hunter. One guy is treating this as a dating sim. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the fucking shield hero is a traveling merchant going from town to town, helping people deal with their problems for money. Like not much money, but enough to get by. So he is playing this like so he's playing this like a fucking realistic mode in an RPG and doing fucking gangbusters. Meanwhile, everybody else is treating this like different styles of fantasy game and fucking everything up. Yeah. And they get called out on it too. Like, yeah, they're called out on it by the fucking Pope. The evil Pope, but still. They at least acknowledge it. And it and isn't just like, oh, the main character is saying this. Fucking everybody believes this. Yeah. Chill here. It's all right. Check it out. Moving on to kind of a weird one. Urataro. I don't even know what this is. Yeah, so I saw this. We're looking at a scan later site that does uh, scans of Black Clover. There's a girl named Chio. She is dying. So she goes out and tries to find uh, Kijin, an immortal, in order to try to make her in order to try to make herself immortal. She finds him, and he says, "Hey, kill me, please." And then she immediately starts asking him to turn her immortal. And thus they go on a quest to try to get to this other side of the country where there is a portal to the af- the afterlife where presumably one could become immortal and also kill an immortal. So yay. And they go on that journey and stuff. Uh, they discover this big conspiracy involving Chio. Uh, they meet the emperor of all of Japan. Who's a 14 year old girl who is also an immortal. 
And then she's there for the rest of it. And it is... It is bizarre. Especially in the art style. Like, the artwork is... It's almost like one of those shitty horror comics that end up turning that end up becoming about time travel. It's like very everybody's very rounded in like their design. Uh, they move with just the same amount of energy. There is a lot of detail in it. Like like there's a point where uh, where we see our main character who's like pretty much dissolved down to like their skeleton and internal organs on like half their body, and we actually see like a gradient of dissolution with them, and we see this so much detail in like their actual internals and stuff. And that's all really great, but with the horror kind of series, they that artwork is usually done to, is usually used to render small children in a very sexual way, which is very creepy. This series has yet to go the sexualized route, so it is like all of the detail and fucking gore and shit of those kind of series, but without a certain degree of the skeeviness to it. Okay. Which makes it all feel very weird. Writing wise is nothing special. It's just, we got a, we got a girl who's like, Hey, I'm go do this stuff. And she's traveling with a really powerful guy who is just, fuck you. As they slowly learn what it is to be a human again. Yeah, it's like 20 chapters in. I'm not going to keep reading this. It is. It's nothing special. Mm. The only the only thing really noteworthy of it is the artwork. Because the artwork is able to get some like really interesting looking monster designs from time to time. But it's not enough to carry this kind of series. Because it, it is all just kind of very boring at a certain point. Like It's all very one note and... When they try to advance things along in like actual in that actual like progression of stuff, it never feels earned because they because like they they're doing they're doing the fucking guy who is fucking done with life and doesn't want to fucking do anything, having having him say this lady moved my heart at chapter fifteen, and introducing a second immortal at like chapter seventeen, which is. Just way too quick. They could they could have done a lot of they could have done a lot of shit with it, but with the way that the way that the author put, put, uh, made up this story, things need to move in, things need to move very quickly. So there's not real room for character development and relationship development. But he feel but it feels like this. But he feels like the series still need to has it, so he still does that. But none of it feels earned or real in any way. So yeah. Art's kind of cool, but that's not enough to carry this fucking thing. Yeah. Moving on. Cool. Uh, we got a... Yeah. There's a new one-shot that was put out by Manga Stream, so that is... That means it's important, I guess, kind of. Hmm. Well, listen. Got done looking into the taxonomy of uh, Tanukis. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I've been quiet for a while, and like in the back of my head, I'm like, I should be saying something, but these tanukis, dude, most closely related to foxes. 
<laughs> so, Golem Hearts. So this yeah, does okay. seem to be this seems to be kind of aiming towards being this is a shonen ass series. So in this world, uh these guys called uh I think sorcery scholars. They and they created the golems, which are, you know, rock people, clay dudes, whatever. They are servants. They don't really have wills of their own and are just there to serve the people. Feels awkward to have the concept of a golem explained to me. Yeah, fair. But for people out there who don't know. (laughs) Yes. Who did not go to Jewish Sunday school. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, for people, yeah, for people who don't know, that's what a golem is. They're big in Jewish folklore. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it is a bit different, like with like the Jewish golems, it's, oh, we made this fucking person, then yeah. we put this script in his mouth. Yeah. Meanwhile, this is, oh, we made a fucking sewing machine with a face. Because the golems aren't just, the, they aren't just fucking big dudes. They, they, have like little, they have like little dudes who are like children's playmates. They have sewing machines. They have guns. Golems are used for every facet of life, and it and the story take the story starts this island where people just kind of live in their lives. It just kind of seems like this idyllic place, whatever. Just that ah, fucking picturesque village or whatever. Uh, and we're following a lady named I believe her name is Mary and her golem Murray. And so they are heading. So they are down at the beach where they see a ship trying to come in, where they see a little boat trying to come in, a little dinghy. At which point, it's blown the fuck up from the from the palace at the center of the island. The guy, the guy who's the guy who's riding that boat gets out just fine. Just hey, that was fucking weird. I blew up. Oh, well, how's it going? I'm here to see golems and shit. I'm a sorcery scholar. Second best sorcery scholar. Yes. Th- well, no. Right now, he is just a sorcery scholar. His his goal is to be the second best. Did you read this too? Yeah, I read it. I didn't know what you were talking about at first, and then I clicked. It's like, oh, that thing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and sorcery scholars, they manipulate golems. Like if if a golem is broken, they can fix it. Uh they can like increase the they can increase like the rate at which a golem works. We see this when we see this when he like speeds up a sewing machine to like hem a pair of pants or whatever. And he's like, hey, fuck you, buddy. Speeds up his walker to run it fucking like Mach 3 or whatever. It just, it just fucking runs off into the distance, just ah! So he goes. So he goes and ends up discovering that the leader of this island is a fucking dickbag. Anytime a girl turns sixteen, he marries them immediately and fucks them until they are seventeen. At which point, he throws them away. Okay, uh, I wasn't entirely certain if you meant like in that sense, or if that he was a literal bag of dicks that was brought to life as a golem. No, uh, he's no. Just very Caligula. Yeah, it, yeah, very in Caligula. yeah, in this world, golems aren't really people. Okay. Yeah, golems are just kind of... They're tools. They're tools that can walk. Well, this, the way you described this character, I also, again, thought he was a tool. Okay, fair. <laughs> you will continue stir- steering into my wordplay. 
<sighs> I'm trying to think of other tools that could that could work there. <laughs> But everyone I think of is just, a refer- just could be could be like turned into a fucking dick joke. Move on. Yeah, so our guy goes Noah, our guy, goes to meet him. Immediately gets shot. But he's fine. Because they reveal that he's actually a golem himself. But he's a golem with a personality. He's a real boy. Yeah. He wants to be. Yeah. And then we get backstory where his the guy, the sorcery scholar who made him, is like, "Hey, so what do you want to, what do you want to be when you grow up or whatever?" It's like, "I want to be, a, I want to be the second best sorcery scholar because you'll always be the best, Dad." It's like, "Oh fuck, let's go out for dinner. We're getting Kelsey's." Yeah, this story's very Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah, it's real Pinocchio, and th- this works as a pilot. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly just a one shot to see if people like this enough for an ongoing. But other than the very Pinocchio-esque nature of the main character. There's not that much distinctive about it. I mean, the golems are fine, but they're just kind of there. Yeah, the yeah replace golem with fucking with fucking chakra or whatever. Yeah, this is this is very indistinguishable from other series. Yeah, what this kind of reminds me of is that first that first intro story from Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, yeah, kind of actually. I did get that impression a little bit. Like, like when he, like when he does the fucking like golem craft thing, it actually kind of looks like alchemy. Yeah. Just, just I was thinking back on uh, how D. Grayman opened, but that in and of itself resembled kind of how Full Metal Alchemist opened. So, yeah, like, yeah, like I, I get it. A lot of shonen series kind of have that. Yeah, but like even if it wasn't, even if it, even if this was just. This could have done something else if it had, like, an actual plot to it. Like, if we got some aspect of what the actual goal was. Like, like in Full Metal Alchemist, it, yeah, it does have that fucking opening bit. But we have a clear goal. The Philosopher's Stone. That is a tangible thing that they can get to. In this, it is, I want to be the second greatest sorcery, sorcery scholar. That, even in that world, is this fucking ephemeral thing that is really wide and open to interpretation. With shit like this, with stories, with, with these kind of shonen things, you need to have like a defined goal, something that's actually a tangible thing. Like like Nar- like fucking Naruto. Go back to that. It isn't just like, hey, I want to be the fucking greatest ninja in my village. It is, I want to be this very real position of power. One Piece. I want to get to this very real thing to give me a position of power. This. I want to have this fucking vaguely defined bullshit. Kind of reminds me of my problems with uh, Toriko. Yeah, exactly. There is the no, end goal, there is no end. Game I want to have a meal. I'm like, okay. Yeah, like, like there, is, like there is kind of an end game to that, but it is again this fucking up in the air it's shit that doesn't really have any defined and not thing. Clear to the reader what that entails. Yeah, I, I get you. If, if this had like an antagonist or a real goal to it. Like, like, if it was, I want to find this fucking stone to make me a real boy. That is a tangible thing he could get. But no, it's just, I want to be the second best at this profession that has a lot of really widespread debate about it. Maybe. If it was something in a more, if, if, if like the setting was less insular or something. Because the problems of that island do not extend beyond that island. Nope. 
So it's just, I showed up. I solved your problem. Bye. Maybe you'll see me again at an ongoing if you vote for me. Please be sure to make your reader surveys. Yeah, and to be fair, when they rework, you know, the, uh, the like, little pilot chapters into an actual series, normally they'll redo them and maybe add more hints at ongoing story. But, yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to the final thing. So I started watching the new season of Blue Exorcist. Okay. And it's really fucking weird. So, mentioning Full Metal Alchemist earlier, imagine if Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood was a sequel to the original series that only, that only like, that, that was a sequel from episode 16. Because that's what this is. Blexorcist, the Kyoto arc, or whatever the fuck it's called, is a sequel to the original series up to episode 16. They ignore the last nine episodes of the first season. And tra- was anime original, if I recall. Yeah, like the first 16 episodes were largely following the story of the manga. Had its changes here or there, but it did follow that story up to the point where everybody found out that uh, main guy, I can't remember his name, Ren. Ren? Ren? Uh, Ren, I can't remember. I, I stopped reading that series a while ago. Yeah, that's kind of my same approach. It's like, I... Yeah, Rin. Rin Okamura. He had a tail. <laughs> yeah, so Rin. Uh, it got to the point where everybody found out that... protagonist. Yeah, it got to the point where everybody found out that Rin was the son of Satan. And then... My dad is Satan. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the series continued on from there with it turning out that his brother is also the son of Satan. Whoa. That was other bullshit. Should that be obvious? It, no. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but just to... they're fraternal. But yeah, so then oddly enough, Soul Eater is just what I'll say. Soul Eater. Yeah. So it get yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah. So this this new series ignores those last nine episodes and then follows more closely with the manga storyline. Which, if you only know Blue Exorcist from the anime. Which a fair amount of people do. This is confusing as shit. I can't imagine. Like, like I, like I, I, I watched Blexus the anime, and then I read Blexus the manga, and I'm still reading the manga. Mm-hmm. So I have both aspects. So I have both ideas of this, and even I was kind of confused. Like going into it, I was like, I started watching. I was like, wait, isn't fucking Yukio a demon or whatever? Why is all this shit happening? What, what is, what's going on? I actually had to fucking look up to see what the fuck was happening. At which point I was. At which point I just read, "Hey, so this only so like if you if you only watch the anime, uh, this continues on for episode sixteen left off. So fuck you, I guess." It's been so long since I read that arc in the manga that I forgot all this shit happened. I remember maybe three characters. Yeah. So storyline of it is uh this fucking. There was this big demon called the Impure King. He had eyes that made junk or whatever, made poison. And somebody tried to, somebody stole one of the eyes from the True Cross Academy city. And the other eyes in Kyoto, so they send all the students out there 
for basically on-the-site job training. Meanwhile, everybody in Rin's class is like, hey, you're the fucking son of Satan. We hate Satan. So fuck you. That but, was going to happen eventually anyway. Yeah, it was, but it's a storyline I just don't like. You know, I understand. It's a, it's, it's a tired trope of anime. Particularly... I'm looking at an image of a female character with red hair with blonde high like tips oh was that their okay yeah the teacher i'm like this is i don't remember that much is she like bikini top with a weird tattoo in her chest i think so it's a small image but um, yeah that's her she has she has a snake sword in her chest yeah she's currently about to offer wow i have forgotten this series but don't worry, they murdered that snake, and then she cut her all. Her, and then she cut all her hair off. So now she can't shove her sword. In, now she can't shove her sword into her tits. So now she gets a scabbard, and she might end up what fucking I, the. And she might end up fucking the younger brother. I don't know. What I, I don't care. <laughs> You're really selling us on this series. It's dude. This is the fucking second season of a series that is only fo- that's following after the manga, not the actual anime. I was at an uphill battle to begin with. Honestly, I was never interested in revisiting the manga because I remember having a singular thought of, I don't know what the fuck's going on, and I think it was during the Kyoto Saga. So I actually was considering the idea of revisiting like this, going and watching the second season. The second season is good, though. But like it is, it is, It's as good animation as the second one. I ever, all, the, all the voice cast is back. Which I didn't notice this until after I had watched a bunch of clips of One Piece online. But one of the characters is voiced by Zoro. And there's mm-hmm. a point in the first episode where Zoro was arguing with the guy about them being about them being Nakama. And it was really weird knowing that and hearing that and having the and having the person respond not be Luffy. Mm-hmm. Is a thing that oh, it's kind of like how in Team and T two they told Stephen Mel, hey, don't be Arrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he failed to not be Arrow. He definitely wasn't Casey fucking Jones. Fuck that shit. Fuck you. Arrow is garbage. <laughs> but you they be, have Earth 2 Black Canary now. You should be canceled and rebooted into fucking Supergirl world where you are actually Green Arrow. Uh. It will never happen because CW don't got any nuts. Riverdale anyway, premiering tonight. <sighs> yeah, Blexus. It is like I. I still like Blexus though. It is. I like the characters. I like the world they have set up. I like all this shit. One thing that I like about the main character is that he is a cook. It is a very small detail that doesn't really fucking matter, but I like that they have it. In one of the more recent text. In one of the more recent chapters, he learned how to use his devil's flame to grill mackerel. And everybody's like, fuck, this is great. And the cat's yeah, there. And the cat's talking and shit nice, again. Yeah, that's a nice that's one of those like flavor text things that helps you connect with the character, kind of like how in Akka the guy everyone keeps noticing how the main character's like 
Dude, you're smoking cigarettes in a country where smoking has been extremely regulated because the previous king nearly died of lung cancer. God, you're an ass. Yeah, it is. It's a nice bit of flavor. It's those, it's those things you, yeah, it's those things you pick up on more in the story. For me, plot doesn't matter as much. It's the characters, but uh, I get yeah, the, and the, I get why that kind of thing like, touches with you. Yeah, like the characters for me all work. Uh, the the story I'm actually kind of liking. It is a, it's one of those things where, like the main plot. Is just kind of an all over the place thing of just we go from one bit to the other to the other because you know the big like series defining goal of defeat Satan is kind of a long game thing. So, so with this, so with this storyline, I am interested in it. It is a it's it's like a it's like a mystery series almost kind of thing because after because like when the when the second eye is about to be taken. There are like a bunch of people in the room who all are doing suspicious shit. And so blame starts getting me and there's like internal conflict in this sect of exorcists. So blame keeps getting tossed around. Everybody's fucking blaming everybody. It's cool. I, I still like this. It is as good as that first series. Which I thought was really good. Yeah. Lexus Kyoto, it is I good. Always, I always view the first series as being a bit odd because it is clearly a series that did not recognize how popular it would be. Yeah. Because they would not have gone for the anime only ending. They would not have. If they realized, oh, we're going to want to like do more with this. Yeah, it also would have been nice if there was like a little like note at the beginning, like this takes place after the events of episode 16. Yeah. Just ignore the last one episodes, you fucking sheeple. Or sorry. Yeah, also so far. The term sheeple. Yeah, also so far, very limited use of CG. So fucking Ace is there, dog. Aces, Charles. Aces. Yeah, that's all I got. Ready. Okay, so this has gone on long enough, so I'm going to try to go <laughs> through mine as fast as possible. I'm fucking done with um, this shit now. Uh, Chaos Child, um, this is one of my positive moments, although it's going to sound incredibly negative. It's not, um, <laughs> uh, it's not a cultic nine. I actually care. That's something. Like it's decent setup. I'm invested in the characters enough. I'd for I think it was a good idea that the first episode featured an episode zero, which was basically a plot recap of uh, the first season Chaos Head, since it's been almost a decade since that series came out. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, and I for I forgot the thing I really liked about because when you have um. Uh, what is it? Uh, the term um, mind-bending suspense thrillers. It kind of all hinges upon how invested you are in the characters and how trippy the shit that happens is. And with the main character in Chaos Head, and to a certain extent in Chaos Child, but Chaos Child's still at the setup phase at this point. It's really trippy shit where 
in the first episode of Chaos Head, the main character finds a girl he knows at school stapling a man to the wall using um, improvised crosses. Neat. And it does. it's not clear whether or not that actually happened or not, but in a later episode, um, he tries to find out what happened to his sister when he hears a story of a teenage girl having washed up out of the river with uh, an arm gnawed off, and he calls her cell phone and finds it in her detached hand in a box in his room. So a little seven there. Yeah, so this series, it's... It's connected to Chaos Head, right? Yes, it's a direct sequel to Chaos Head. They that's the point of the episode zero stuff at the beginning of it because they want to establish oh, at the end of the mind fuckery that you not only couldn't understand because it was mind fucky, but because it was a brutally bad adaptation. Uh, for somehow, I think I'm thinking that the main character of that series, his powers went nuts and caused massive earthquakes that only affected a two block radius and nothing else okay so everyone's like how the fuck does that happen it's like eh, maybe it was a weird earthquake okay so i mean i'm invested enough in it so far i i don't know what it is that i mean because like i remember how bad i think chaos had might have been one of the first series i remember where i was like i watched this end to end and I remember thinking I would like this, and when I got to the end of it, I was like, how the hell did we get here? Okay. And that, I don't, and that oppression came back wide and loud and clear when they condensed a already overly condensed 12 episode story into 20 minutes. So that was kind of fun for me personally, but I'm I lo- the art style is also distinctly different, and that's kind of one of the weird transition things between the art style of a series made in 2008 or 2009 versus a series that came out in 2017. So it's a little jarring, particularly oh, so if that, you... uh, with episode zero. They used footage from the original series. Yes. Okay, I didn't know if they had reanimated it or no. It doesn't look like they did. The art styles are too distinctly different for that to be true. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's a semicolon series that is a not occultic nine. So I am at least curious to see if it can not buy. It's starting off as good as Chaos Head did, and it's not occultic nine. So I'm going to give it a little bit of credit and see if it can stick the landing way better than occultic than uh, Chaos Head did, although Cultic 9. I don't even sure if I can say Cultic 9 ever stuck the landing. I think it just fell as it got up on the diving board. Like, it was <laughs> one of those things where it took a step and then slipped and fell. It's like, oh, that's unfortunate. So, with, uh... Recovered. So, do you need the experience of having suffered through Chaos Head to get into this, or can you just kind of go in blank? Um... I I can't really tell that for certain until I've watched the entire series because basically the first 20 minutes of episode the episode 0 part is designed to get you caught up on major plot points from season, from the first series that I assume are going to be relevant for how season 2 for this new series plays out but it's kind of hard to tell at this point and at the same time the original Chaos Head anime was such a colossal misfire of an adaptation. I'm not sure if that'll help. 
to the point where, like I said, if we're going to do a semicolon series on Anime Club Damon, we should start with that one. Okay. So yeah, that's reasonably good start, but I don't know where it's going. Uh, I don't know why I watched this, but I watched Kobayashi-san's Maid Dragon. I don't know why I watched this, because it's the kind of thing I rail against all the time. It is a slice-of-life series about cute girls doing cute things. It's just that all of the cute girls are dragons that make that make themselves look like people. Wait, what? I forgot this was a thing. I did not know this was a thing. I know yeah. that I knew this was a thing because I happen to have the Anime News Network preview uh, w- winner guide open. And I can see that I clearly clicked on Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Yeah. And I just clicked on it again. The only story, as far as I can tell, is uh, Kobayashi is this office worker in somewhere in Japan. And one night she's out drinking and somehow drunkenly stumbles onto a mountain where an injured dragon is hanging out because it escaped its own world. And she's like, hey, you know, you're a dragon, you're... Don't live with me. And she doesn't remember this until she opens her door the next day with the dragon staring at her door. Okay, then. And that's basically the plot, as far as I can tell. That this this, this dragon makes itself look like a maid. It looks like a human girl and acts as a maid just because it wants a place to live. And she likes this person. And there are other dragons. I was considering watching this, and I forgot about it. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's very meh. It's not. It thinks it's funnier than I really ought to be. And there's an occasional funny joke when you have like dragons that are famous in myths show up as characters in this. Like uh, Quetzalcoatl is a character in this series, and um, some dragon from a. Norse mythology that I'm not familiar with, Fafnir, shows up as oh. a, a character that's kind of thin-faced, gaunt, uh, dresses like the butler from uh, uh, Devil Butler, or Black Butler. And the only funny thing that's happened with him so far is uh, one of Kobayashi's work friends showed him a video uh, dungeon crawl video game, and... I guess as part of his mythology, he guarded his cursed treasure jealously, no matter how much it cursed him. So whenever he sees a treasure chest in a dungeon, he keeps opening it, no matter how much the guy is sitting there. That's a mimic. You don't want to open that. He just keeps dying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah... No, this is, this is something gonna else. Have to, I'm going to have to check this series out. Like, I remember why I was going to check this out. Because, first of all, uh, this is from one of the creators of Hyoka, The Disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya, and Full Metal Panic Fumofu. Now, two of those series, I two of those things I absolutely adore. The third, I have no real interest in watching. But... I am curious, and it did get, like, exceptionally good reception. It's not so. bad. I mean, I... It's not really doing anything for me. I like... I, I, I do kind of like the main character, Kobayashi, because normally in this kind of story, it would be a male 
college student or teenager in this situation. In this yeah. case, it's a sullen mid-30s office worker who everyone describes as, you know, you've got eyes like a dead fish. <laughs> okay. I think that's like the, the and even the dragons are scared of her when she gets drunk, which is amusing <laughs> because, I guess it's partially amusing because when she and her main work friend get drunk, they turn into otaku and complain about how her maid outfit feels too much like cosplay and not like a real maid. <laughs> Okay, then. <laughs> so it's... Yeah, oddly enough, even though it didn't, didn't really seem to be your intention, you have oddly sold me on checking this out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's bad. I just, it's not really for me. And weird thing... I'll say this about the winter season. I keep remembering that there are shows where I'm like, oh, right, I was going to check that out. So I also wanted to watch, uh, what is it, Scum's Wish? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yep, nope. That's the Japanese title. It's, um... And just while you're looking that up, uh, I... While you're talking about this, I was trying to do this research trying to find out the show because I did not hear the title. Uh, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid? Yeah, yeah. So, I, so while I was looking that up, I was looking it up through Fafnir. Which led me to a series oh, called... No- uh, the series Roland was talking about was Kuzu no Honkai, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and so, so while I was looking that up, I came across a series called Unlimited Fafnir. Oh, no. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no. No. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh. I, I do not want to watch it because it looks like a fucking pile of horseshit. <laughs> I know what that series is. But the first sentence <laughs> describing the protagonist is... Is why I was laughing earlier. Uh, so yeah, people with the people with the power of dragons are called D's. And then the main character, the protagonist, and the only male D in the world. Uh, you get it? It's like a penis. Now I'm just reminded of a rap critic video where he just replaced a, a random word with penis over and over again. Yeah, yeah that, there was that. Uh, God, I forgot this was a thing. <laughs> I wanted to I, forget this was a thing. Which, and this actually reminded me of another thing I wanted to forget was a thing, which is Dragonauts. Dragonauts? Fuck is Google dr- that. That was garbage. Oh, oh, this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Dragonaut the Resonance. Oh, I I fucking forgot about that. I know, um, right? Uh, this looks like a porn it series. Like, it basically is. It just it also has Except CG it's dragons. Not at all. It there there are episodes that are very pornographic. I remember. They don't go. They it's softcore, but it's still it's very softcore. This is a shockingly bloodless series. I remember that much at least. Yeah, well, that well, that was. I mean, they had CG dragons fighting because, like, this was. I think this was actually animated by Bones, but it it was kind of a waste of time for it to be. Oh, sorry, no, Gonzo. Okay, no, that ex- no, no, it was not. It was Gonzo. I yeah, was I, like, I I, I'm sorry. That. I was scrolled down on the page I was on, but I'm like. 
the first thought that went through my head when you said, I think this is am- animated by Bones was, fuck no. <laughs> okay, the only reason I thought it was I thought it was Bones is because it, it looks a little like um, Eureka 7, but no, I think that's just the time when it came out. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. I just Google searched the dragons. What the fuck are these things? <laughs> Bad CG is what they are. You're your old friend, dead man. Bad CG. <laughs> I, I watched some God. of the series, and yes, I'll admit that it was a little fan servicey. But here's the thing: this shit makes service, Mortal Kombat Annihilation look good. The fan service in the series was not in any. It was not extreme. It was not like High School of the Dead or anything. It was just very noticeable. Yeah, it, it's not like they had tons of jiggle or you know gleaming that gleaming flesh appearance that they like they love to do in a lot of trashy series it was just that when they did have fan service in it it was very very noticeable but to suggest that it was like like this was just such a garbage cheap looking series very much and so. and it's gonzo so of course it is because Gonzo, <laughs> yeah. has, Gonzo has no quality control at all. A lot of series that I would probably like more if it was animated by someone other than Gonzo. Like fucking um, Gonkutsuo or uh, even something as stupid as Pumpkin Scissors would probably have been better if it was not animated by Gonzo. <laughs> I like Gonkutsuo. And you like Full Metal Panic. Jesus Christ, they did Gantz. Wasn't Full Metal Panic key animation? Uh, Full Metal Panic is Gonzo. Oh, the first, yeah, the first season of of, of Full Metal Panic is, is Gonzo. The second one's uh, Kyoto mm. Annie. I forget. Yeah, like that. Gonzo has some good stuff. I'll admit they have no. When you yeah. say they have no quality control, that is absolutely true. They made lime barrels of iron, but <laughs> <laughs> no. I, and yeah, I'm not even saying I. I didn't mean I don't like Gonkutsu. I'm yeah, saying yeah. This, a lot of the I, stuff that I don't like about Gonkutsu is because it was animated by Gonzo. I, <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Sure to check out the, late, sure to check out like, the most I, recent I, Gonzo I, series, I was, Akiba's Trip. Yeah, that's fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> I, I I did. I was like, that was Gonzo, wasn't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, Dragonauts was weird because it's one of those series that. Like someone gets stabbed and they're dying from a wound that has no blood. That kind of crap. Yeah. No okay, hey, <laughs> Sorry. <was> long... <laughs> it went off into weird places. De- blame it on Deadman. He brought up un- unlimited Fafnir. <laughs> what? The only male D in the talk. world was funny to me, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what I was going to say now. Um, uh, well, you were on the uh, Kobayashi's maid. Yeah, um, it's very pretty. I can, I, the, the, neither of the uh, sequ- opening or ending sequences leave much of an impact, but the series itself is very pretty. It's got decent character design. It's a very deformed facial character design, but that's increasingly common. In this kind of series, so whatever. Uh, but there's like there's the occasional really funny line, like when um, the main dragon I can't I think what is her name again? Uh, Toru 
goes next go they move into a new apartment and there's a lot of noise so Toru goes to the various apartments checking noise complaints and there's weird shit like oh yeah no I got to use a drill in my home in in my own office for my work I drill uh specialty wooden carvings or uh I cook by throwing stuff against the wall until it's cooked and they're like, what the hell? So it's weird, random stuff like that. Or like when she meets a death metal rocker with, I think, a deliberate reference to uh, de- death metal. Is that Death Metal City? Is that the name of that series, Dead Man? Uh, what series? The Detroit Metal. Detroit uh, Metal City. Yeah. yeah. The one with the random guy who's just also a death metal guy. Yep, Detroit. Uh, Detroit Metal and City. And when Toru hears that guy singing, she's like, oh, that's like Hades strangling Hercules. She's like, oh, that's cool. Can I see it, steal that? An occasionally good uh, line or joke here, but it's just, it's very bland to me, overall. Mm-hmm. Alright, so let's, uh, Chaos Child, Question of Mage Dragon, I already talked about Akka. Uh, okay, so, welcome to the ballroom! <laughs> Yeah, I did not. Uh, have you heard about this series, Dead Man? Welcome to the ballroom. Yeah, we've talked about it a bunch of times on the show. Mainly, mainly okay, because news, keep, mainly because news keeps happening about it. Okay, so I wasn't sure if you'd actually read it or not. Oh, I have yeah, not. I, I okay. I have not read it. I yeah. Similar. So, I, um, I feel I, similar things to what I said about the fucking competitive aspects of Yuri on Ice. I feel like I will have about uh, Welcome to the Ballroom. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of, because I've, I've read all... I started reading it last Saturday, and then over the course of two days, I proceeded to read all 43-plus uh, chapters of the monthly series, which is longer than most chapters. So so I really enjoyed it. Um, it's about a kid named Tatara who doesn't really know what he wants to do, uh, is getting bullied on his way home, gets saved by uh, a this random guy on a motorcycle who just gives them money or at least a, a, and I mean not money. I think it's like a coupon for a meal or something, but it's, he turns out it's fake. Uh, but out of respect for this guy, Tatara doesn't rat him out. And eventually, as thanks for that, the guy who turns out to be one of Japan's premier ballroom dance professionals brings him to his studio and offers him a lesson or two as sort of like a mea culpa. And the main character discovers that he actually kind of, when he sees what goes on in ballroom dancing, he, he initially has the same reaction most guys his age probably would, that it's a little effeminate and not really a masculine pursuit. But when he sees that this guy who is very masculine to him can do these amazing things in dance with his body, he's very, uh, he gets very interested in it, and he wants to start learning how to do it himself, no matter how hard he has to work to do it. Uh, a cute girl from his school goes there, too, and you think that's going to go the romance route, but from the look of things, it's actually not. It's more sort of a big sister artistic muse situation, where it's like she's, like, she's not, like, yeah, she's very attractive, and he thinks she's very attractive, but he's more drawn to her because she represents someone his age who's very, very good at ballroom dance that he's 
attempting to impress or at least somewhat emulate. And the big thing that sells this series, at least in terms of the manga, is well, the art is gorgeous, and in a considering what is actually happening, the manga is very good at selling intensity, and that might come out better if the anime is not animated like how Yuri on Ice animated its ice skating scenes. Because I think even more than Yuri on Ice, if this if the if the dance scenes are badly animated, this anime will be a disaster. Because the dance scenes are too essential to the narrative. And you're seeing how the main characters interact with each other, the expressions on their faces as these dances evolve. The most recent arc, which is, uh, again, like Core was complaining with Baby Steps, it's a tournament arc in a monthly series. I'm like, ugh. But... It, the the thing about it that's amusing is that every all of their um it, until recently uh Tatara has not had a dancing partner and he recently found one but they're literally from everything they can see possibly worst match personality wise to where she got her start ballroom dancing in female on female competitions where she was always the man so and he is not a particularly masculine character anyway. So they are trying. They are at for first several chapters that they know each other are having a man off. In their <laughs> I think the way Birdie Salt like ex- described the series to me was it's like Hajime no Ippo, but with ballroom dancing. Yeah, there's elements of that, and <laughs> so yeah. So this so this guy worked on down the docks, which gave him like a really. St- Strong dip. <laughs> he could fucking waltz no, like a freight actually, train. Well, I don't know. There's some elements that are different from that. Like the like the uh, his dance instructor is kind of a combination of both the coach character from Hajime no Ippo and uh, what is that? What is the main the best boxer asshole's name? I can't remember his name. Uh, the guy with the with the Japanese afro, who everyone thinks is an ass. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, so they sort of combine uh, those two characters into his dance instructor to where you see him do this performance at a major Japanese stage, and it's very impressive, and you see him give good advice to his student, but he's such an egotistical ass that after the show's over, his um, his dance partner punches him in the face. Well, he sounds nice. He actually kind of is. There's there's a lot of... The, the thing that drew me to this is how strong the personalities of a lot of these characters are, which is why it's fun to read. Particularly this... The thing that's gotten me through this long, slow tournament arc is that the last several issues, everyone's been like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, Chihaya and uh, Tatara, the team I was talking about, who were having a man-off... They've kind of worked out their differences, but all everyone can see is them constantly fighting both on the dance floor and off. They're like, this is not going to work out. And the one guy who's kind of the the prodigy of their age is like, no, nah, the, they know what they're doing. It's like, are you serious? They're fighting all the time. She keeps cup punching him in the dick. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but they're working out their differences. And to some extent, it seems like they are. And there's this weird arc where Chihaya's had a the the girl that she was 
playing the man to in the girl on girl uh, dance competitions. She always thought that person hated her, but she's more of the uh, psychotic Sundari. Okay, and that comes out, and that comes out in this most recent arc where she's upset that this random dude has gotten Chihaya to be far more passionate about dance than she ever could. So she keeps interjecting herself and trying to break them up. And she has these psychotic expressions on her face. It's like, why won't you look at me? I might look into this series and I am legitimately looking forward to the new production IG anime. Welcome to the Okay, Marvel. well, no, no quality issues there. As long <laughs> yeah. as I don't get someone really bad, no quality issues there. <laughs> even their bad anime or even their bad anime are well animated. Yeah. So yeah, uh that was a pleasant surprise for me finding that. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's it. Uh am I missing anything? Uh not that I want to talk about yet. So yeah, that's it for me. Alright then, that's what we're about to read then. On to news. First up, uh Toy Animation has announced uh that there will be a live action movie adaptation of Mazinger Z. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, actually just reading this again. Sorry. No there is no confirmation whether it's live action or anime, just a movie adaptation. Yeah, for a series that has not been on air or even really thought about much since the seventies. Yeah, uh, the film is commemorating the 45th anniversary of the original Mazinger Z uh, manga and television series. Uh, currently, yeah, because the, it was Gona Guy. Yeah, currently uh, the film is just being called a uh, uh, Geki Shoban Mazinger Z, which is Mazinger Z the movie. Yeah. And uh, Toei Animation is producing the project with Toei Proper distributing it. Yeah, the, right now there's just a site. Uh, no, no, I don't, don't really know what information is on that because uh, I do not read Japanese. So yeah, that'll be happening at some point. Moving on, Shonen Jump has just announced a bunch of new Shonen Jump manga that'll be coming out of the next six issues or so. And some of them from fairly big creators. So just in order, uh, they list up. So Crunchyroll lists the Japanese title as well as the English title. So first one showing up in issue 10 is a Bokotachi wa Benkyo ga Dekinai, which is We Can't Study. And it's from uh, Tsutsubi Taishi, who is the author of a Nisekoi spinoff manga. But a magical patisserie. Patissier, I don't fucking know. It's a romantic comedy series. With two young with two young girls, beautiful girls showing, yay, we fucking want your dick, dude. Next up is U19, uh being done by Yuji Yuji Kimura, who did a one shot called Garden. And it's just described as childish activities in a world where all youth are under the control of adults. Next up is uh, Polo's Foreign Exchange Record, which is being done by Hitsuji Gonhei, Gonhei, who is the GFC winner, which is about a devil visiting the human world. 
Next up is uh, Mary the Starving, uh, being done by Ryuhei Tamura, the creator of Beelzebub. Oh, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, just described as comedy action. Shocker. Yeah. Uh, next up is Dr. Stone, uh, being written by Richiro Inagaki, who did I Shield 21, with art by Boichi, who worked on Sun Ken Rock. <laughs> so it's going to be absurd. Yeah, looking like it. I mean, it's iShield. You combine the creators of iShield 21 and Show by Rock, it's going to be absurd. Yep. Mm. And then the final series uh, coming out is uh, Robot Cross Laser Beam, uh, being done by uh, Tadatoshi Fujimaki, the creator of Kuroko no Basuke. Speaking of absurd. <laughs> Less absurd, at least, but still. Yeah, the promo image is a red haired kid with a golf club. I which is a, which, which is great. Interested in any of those? Which is actually kind of great because it is a manga. It's, it's a sports manga about golf. Eesh. You know, I with that first one, I was thinking to myself, why is it that Shonen Jump isn't really ever gotten any notable romance series? And then I remembered that Eyes was a thing, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, no, fuck that idea. <sighs> anyway, final piece of news, uh, which is kind of news, but kind of not. It's just kind of something interesting. Uh, so, Goo, a Japanese ranking website, uh, recently uh, polled over 3,000 manga readers uh, to ask them which series they think will be the next poster manga for Shonen Jump, the next big push. Uh, they got 19 things, and some of them make some sense. Some of them I've never fucking heard of. Like, uh, 19 is something that I talked about before, Demon's Plan. Uh, we got uh, Salmon the Summoner at 15. Uh, Promise Neverland. I did not know that was still running. Apparently it is. Uh, the Promise Neverland at 13. Uh, Boruto comes in at number 8. Because that's a series. Uh, Black Clover at 7. Shokugeki no Soma is at number 6. And then going to the top five, uh, number five is World Trigger. Fucking somehow. Number four is the the, the, the Disastrous Life of Psyche K. My Hero Academia is at number three. Hunter x Hunter is at number two. And number one is Haikyuu. See, that's apparently what manga readers think is going to be the next fucking face of Shonen Jump. Which I'm down for. Again. At least it's not eyes. (laughs) 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 I was like, on one hand, I'm not energized about any of those being the face of Shonen Jump, but on the other hand, it's not that. (laughs) Okay, then. Never heard of eyes. Uh, it, it like just type I apostrophe S in Wikipedia and you can see what Oh, it is. possessive right. eyes. Yeah. And it's just a quick, it, it had been a long time since I even took a glance at that, but just a quick skim revealed a 
senior high school student who's referred to as Mannequin, who is the uh, a sexual deviant that tries to assault the female lead, uh, like the female romantic interest, like at least three times and is considered the villain of the series. I'm like, this sounds like garbage. Yeah, I can't find shit about this fucking series. Every time I every time I try to search it, it just here's how to draw eyes for anime. Uh, if you type it into Wikipedia, it'll bring you there. It can also be typed I quotation mark S. Nope. But Google might not search. Search. Like, I typed it. Search Wikipedia. Human eye, eye color. Lisa Lopez. Really, I apostrophe S did not work. Because I typed it in and got it. Uh, it's eyes. Uh, it, in Japanese, it's Aizu. As a Japanese series written directed by Masakazu Katsura. The story is a 16-year-old high school student in love with his classmate, but too shy to tell her. He plans to tell her, but each time something usually yep, goes Yep, just typing I apostrophe S got me there. Yep, I apostrophe S. I have I, Tiger's I, I of Raw. Mm, you can try A-I-Z-U. It seems to just be a reference to the fact that there are two girls with I in their name that the main character's in love with. Oh, uh, the letter the, I. I was spelling out I like the word I. No, oh. it's just, it's I, uh, quotation mark S. Okay. Yeah. That's where the confusion was. No, actually, all three of the main characters' first names start with I. But... The mangaka like want, said something about it being a plurality of self or something. It was stupid. Fuck that. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Anyway, that's good for this week. Thank y'all for joining us. Yeah. So we'll be back in two weeks' time with episode of the DestroProds.com anime manga podcast. In between now and then, they're going to be having our regular run newspaper reviews podcasts. Ow! Kinds of bullshit, but until then, I'm dead. I'm Birdie. I'm Cora. See you guys next time.